Pink Midnight. Pink Midnight. Pink Midnight. Flies may buzz, pigs may sleep, cows may move slowly across the frame, and still, even with their pockets stuffed with bills, they are asleep, they are lusting to release a misery, to release the rain to release the color from the black and the whites. The holes in your coat and hat, the breath through your fingertips, the cold air waiting for you, hiding in a moist mist of tiny icicle storms. We are like twigs to the rain when two clocks tell different times, both wrong. One is too slow, whereas the other documents the reality of the exploited. This exchange occurs as two men sit in a train station, unsure of what to do with their share of the money, with their share of the loot with their shares of their destinies. If you look beyond the chickens, you'll see a dripping faucet outdoor. You'll see a tiny hovel, an animal laying within the grass. Through binoculars, you might see from emerging through the dreary grass and trees, some sort of eerie energy. He lumbers through the rain, lurching through the raindrops, carrying his large empty jug, which was once filled with brandy. They say he doesn't have much time left. He suffers as he moves. He moves deliberately, but with a purpose only seeking a substance which his incohate being drifts far away from, spreading out around. Mountains of glass broken, which must be swept up in bars for tomorrow's keeping, when the tears of ashes shall finally bloom and leave their residue upon each 
tiny hoof print. In the book of your fate, your resurrection is written. One woman observes in a bar while a gentleman getting drunker and drunker claims that he has already learned everything there is to know. What's that smell? It wasn't there before, says a weary woman in a dingy bar. Already her face looks pre-screened for tears, her eyes sorrowful and hollow. And he says it could be the spiders or the coal making that smell. She places her nose to the ground in the bar and decides that the smell she complained or observed is actually the earth. The earth has made its way into the bar. The earth has eroded everything. The earth has washed away former traces of civilization. The earth has taken its power back. And as a brother and sister dig a hole in order to plant a money tree, eventually the sister runs home, protecting everything that's precious, carrying a shovel through a vast and interminable wasteland, a carved out space of the earth, a scorched tract of land, an endless plain, a kind of desert, if deserts were cold, grimy, and filled with burned earth, charred earth, remnants of a former earth. She is the color and structure and texture of the earth inescapable, her gray sweater matching the dying wood, the drying of the earth, the moisture revolving through a cloud. She has been blessed by the dirt emerging from the summit of a cloud rolling beneath a mountain moving through a geyser, falling above a spring in a cloud of dust. You know your place, you are meant to be there when the dust settles. You are meant to be drifting away with the winds. You are meant to become one with the elements. You are meant to Absorb through your skin every last piece of this dwindling earth. This dwindling earth which will revolve and take a new day on, leaving you swirling behind in the muddy waters. You crawl through the plaster of every wall and find your place as your mother disappears with a mysterious visitor. A cat crawls onto your lap. It knows of a calm. 
and it purrs to the rhythm of the wind as you relax and take in all that the earth tries to devour. She wrestles with a cat through the dust for hours, being granted none of its powers, though she may try with an invisible wand and a wizard's touch and a witch's brain. She may devour the powers of the hours. She emerges from the charred plaster wall like an insect. Her mother's client recently left, her cat strung up in a booby trap of her own design, perhaps a fishing net of some kind. The dead cat becomes her stuffed animal, and as she wanders through fields of dejection, running into one character after another who wants nothing to do with her, who's scared of her, who commands her, and yet she wanders back into the darkness, leaving without a trace. She sleeps by a dried up river, the cat growing stiffer with rigor mortis. Her one companion has been poisoned. I shouldn't drink whenever I do. I always think of coffins, one character says while pouring another drink to a woman who also says she shouldn't be drinking while another gentleman rants drunkenly in an endless monologue about the Stegerwald kids, how they were talking about gunpowder in an endless, delirious loop. They're timelessly dancing to a tango. It doesn't matter what clothes they wear. It doesn't matter who their fathers were. This is existence at the crossroads. This is the way you dance the blues way. This is the way you make an insignificant town in the middle of outer space revolving away from you a significant pastime. This is how you make memories meaningful, or at least provide them with some sort of buoyant juice, with some sort of will to, to continue and survive. This is the dance from the cockroaches. This is the dance inspired by the rat poison. All the dead cats who were our playmates who continue watching us in an afterlife, happy to have taken part in our struggles. Are you ready to puke or are you flying to the tango? Is your brain on wings made of ether, made of a distant fluid, as you become young again, as you become young artists at the end of the 19th century into the early 20th century together dancing to a tango lost in a dream lost in some kind of fantasy rolling through time all because of the tango and the liquid 
coursing through your minds. Rags are among the fallen, graves are among the fallen, tangos sprint on, springing around us, and we hold each other through the night, and the trees even dance, because the rags have transported us through the winds of time. She looks on through so many dark and dusty windows. She sees all these tragic accidents of life. She, a ghostly, lonely, pale figure, already lost to the dust and grime of time and the grinding of it all. Nobody was there because everybody was dancing. The shoes danced away all by themselves. The tango continued, really only three or four notes. Your beret made me happy, as did the way that you made these little pivots and ole gestures throughout the night. The cold even grew tired and bored with us. And we kindled a passion that was long ago lost, but which, through the trickling fountains of the drink in our minds, was, in fact, reinstated. And so the shoes, the shoes, the shoes brought us back to our limited senselessness, and we danced without each other somehow without even the world, without even the fantasies, which had long ago sprinted ahead of us, yet which we could still see in the vast distance, perhaps turning around, perhaps slowly encroaching like a mist, perhaps coming back to us. Just before the second intermission, we learn that the spiders climbed throughout the bar after the revelers fell asleep or perhaps more accurately we could say passed out they formed a series of interconnected webs which vibrations became sensations within the strings and every movement was perceptible and transformed by this spider community who consumed yet transformed this space. She didn't make it through the new year. She didn't make it through noon. So they laid her down on a pool table, draped in a sheet and laid her arms across her chest. An owl twists its head and winks as an endless conversation echoes in the corridor of night, igniting a feud between two crabby sleepers. What will be the living arrangements in the factory? Who shall live inside the machines? Who shall live inside the workshops? What can become a home? What is merely an empty room, an empty box, a meaningless structure. Sometimes revenge is served in the form of a hunchback with a glass eye.
He follows you to the river and jumps ahead of you, holding his breath for longer than it seems possible for a human. And every time you advance a step, he hits you on the head with a stick and says, now it's your turn to pay. A series of scathing insults, a report to end all reports, almost poetic, no, novelistic in its savagery. All the humanity which was already challenged, burned, and pressed upon as they rode through the rain in the back of a vehicle, not complaining, not shuddering, not even shivering. All of these doses of humanity is reduced, critiqued, insulted, wrung out, and spat upon a page in untimely horror. A bell screams across an everlasting plain, a plain damp with the rivets and scrapes of a life lived in a long coat, overflowing with flesh as the hearing starts to fade. Thank you for tuning in to Pink Midnight. We hope you have enjoyed your stay in this haunted hotel, in this abandoned palace, in this opulent field of nowhere grass.